Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name is Surya Shin and I am an assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and Brigham and Women's Hospital. So I'm a biomaterial scientist and also a bioengineer. Now I'm mainly working in tissue engineering field to develop you know, artificial muscle or other uh, in vitro cultural tissue for the regenerative medicine. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Professor, on the podcast. I think your lab is really amazing. You have a lot of interesting projects running in the new lab. But I'd like to go back when you were a child. Do you have any memories when you were interested in science or technology as a kid? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like all other children, when I was a child, I watched a lot of animation and movie about robots. But however, I did not receive any inspiration through this animation. But when I, you know, was uh, young, in you know, I I born in South Korea. Then I, uh, you know, grow in there. So I watched a uh, SF action drama, which is the Six Million Dollar Man. I I know whether you know about this uh, drama or not. But on this, you know, when I watched the first to be interested this cyborg system, when I see this drama, then you know this you know man in combined human and machine. Then they, yeah. he generate a lot of strong power and they see some of, you know, very small, tiny thing. So then I was inspired very interesting those cyborg system. Then I'm thinking about how about, you know, building those cyborg, you know, uh, robot. Yeah. So I know you, you did your PhD in South Korea and uh, yes. in your home, of course. And I'm curious, what is the first robot or intelligent system you built? And what is the feeling you had uh, at this time? Yeah, so uh, actually, you know, many people say maybe that they have a, uh, a lot of experience to build toy robot, right? Then, you know, when I was, I'm also same, had the same uh, experience. But I just want to check my you know, kind of little bit professional uh, experience. So, you know, um, actually up to now, I, I couldn't say like I made a completely soft robot system. Because soft lo- robot means it can contain actuator and controller or power system, right? But um, you know, uh, when I was the um, PhD a student, so my major project is to develop artificial muscle uh, using electroactive material, such as conducting polymer and electrically, you know, conductive nanoparticle, which can mimic the performance and power of natural muscle and like human-like muscle. So at this time, I have developed nanoparticle-based electroactive hybrid hydrogel that can change their stiffness and the contraction and expansion behavior. Also, when you change the design and their shape, you can make rotate and bending actuator. So those material actually can be, you know, can be a major material for the soft robotic system. Then also the material can control by you know, electrical signal, voltage and current. Also, it depends on the material. It can also control by temperature and pH, like a other external environment condition, you can change their motion. So to demonstrate the function of this hybrid material, then I fabricate small and I, you know, one centimeter sized, very simple, you know, starfish-like actuator. And I applied, you know, electric field through the big electrode, and then I can make, you know, like a you know, 
starfish like movement in uh, the electoral resolution. I feel like that you know it's very amazing when I you know was working in PhD. But I'm you know I want to you know uh, know and then more this you know how to build this soft law system, and I also want to make a better you know controlling system with this material. Then of course the previous I developed, which is not the really actuator, soft robot kind of actuator type of material. Then and then for the future, then I'm more interested to you know develop more powerful, and uh you know the uh, which mimic the uh, native muscle function. Then later it can be used for the artificial muscle, can replace human muscle, or the one of the component of the body. That's very interesting, and I'm curious to ask you when you mean about designing better control. Better control means like uh, you know previous you know the I I told you I'm the material science I develop smart material which can respond by external stimulus right. This this hydrogel doesn't have any controlling system, so you if you want to control their actuation behavior like contraction and extension, you need applied electrical stimulation from the outside with big size machine. I don't think this means controlling in terms of the soft robotic. In soft robotic, in terms of the soft robotic, but the controlling means that they have to contain controlling system in the body. Then, then you know, even wireless system, and they communicate with some of specific language through the machine. Then, then we later we can control their uh, movement and also the uh, shape uh, through the, this you know uh, wireless system. I mean, I think this means like a control. Yeah. So in this in this perspective, how you would define soft robotics, and do you see the field? Uh, because I think your most of your work focus on that material can compute in the intelligence uh, and embedded sensors as well in the material. So how do you see the definition of soft robotics? Yeah. Yes, and then soft robotic. You know, first of all, you know, in contrast to most traditional uh, robotic system, which is built by you know rigid material like metal. Then the but a soft material is one of the you know these uh, the feature is like soft and composed of highly compliant uh, material such as elastomer, also hydrogen, and also the biological materials uh, like a cell or tissue. So those one if the robot can compose of those material and along with some controlling system, we can say like a soft robot. Yeah, and also this system can control by not only the electrical signal, also can control by a biological signal. They have a many chance to control this robotic system. Have more flexible compared with the traditional traditional robotic system, which is like a mechanic based one. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, I would like to go back again in, in your um, in your research work. I think it's very fascinating. For example, uh, for example, biohybrid actuator design. That's if you can tell us about what is the motivation behind. Because I, I feel that it's really every project is really challenging. And if you can tell us why. You became interested in different spectrum of the research, especially on the biohybrid actuator and tissue design. And mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, you know, as I told you in the beginning, when I was PhD, I'm very interested to develop those starfish type of actuator, right? Then I'm very pretty interested in you know, so organizing in the ocean. Then then I will usually you know there. Uh, show very uh, unique uh, behavior compared with human or other, and specifically this some of uh, you know uh, ocean organism in who uh, which live in uh, deep very deep ocean right they which has you know no right very high water pressure but they can maintain their shape and their movement 
that and then I'm pretty interested in you know movement behavior and I want to mimic those you know, system, but I'm um, you know. You know, we are we are really hard to mimic their system because of their that existing uh, good uh, the material, which can, you know, stretching uh, more than two or three thousand thousand times, also uh, they contract a lot compared with uh, the original position. Then also they are not only the uh, material itself; they also compose of life component. Then later they show the very uh, you know unusual you know actuation behavior. You know, so those make me very interested and then inspired me to develop bio-inspired soft robot system using, you know, bio-hybrid actuator which combined with uh, material and living organisms such as tissue and cell. So I'm curious to ask you this again about the material because you have this expertise. Do you think we fully understand how the material behave? Um, so far, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so we kind of, you know, until now, the many people develop some those smart material, then yes, we can understand, we, we say like we understand the material up to now. But, you know, the material in, in the world has many different types and also different combination. So in, the, in this case, we have to study well and spend a lot of time to understand exactly what they behave in our physics. Then in terms of new material, like a new combination, sometimes they show the very unexpected behavior. So in this case, I couldn't say no, we still need to explore this new and the new material system that and then later we have to, under, we can fully understand with, you know, with, when we spend a lot of time to understand this system. Yeah. So maybe I should ask you, for example, because you mentioned that's very interesting point, uh, what could be the significant element and understand the material. For you, when you start working in certain project, how you figure mm -hmm. out this is the material I'm looking for? In terms of the, you know, of course it really depends on the application, but um, in terms of the soft robot system, the robot means that we need to develop some material um, which show any movement, right? Contraction or expansion and also stretching or the, you know, folding by external stimulus. In this case, we have to understand what their morphology and also stiffness is very important because if the robot means like not only show the movement they also need to do something grab or moving some heavy stuff right then in this case all material have to be well characterized with stiffness means like we have to understand their internal structure but and also um, we also understand what you know their function group responds by electrical stimulation then then whether uh, later it show uh, the shape uh, uh, deformation. So those kinds of you know dynamic uh, behavior along with the mechanical property and the morphological difference have to be well understand with dynamic uh, stimulation condition. Also, because I want really to um, dig again in the projects you're doing. One of the interesting projects is muscle regeneration, <laughs> and yeah. as you mentioned in your in your research that there is uh, maybe a US suffer from volumetric uh, around five hundred patient in US suffer from volumetric muscle loss. And one of interesting, uh, I think, you know, description that uh, you m maybe mimic the muscle architecture, and as well as you figuring out what be uh, the growth parameters that you can uh, maybe regenerate or maybe reinvent in your design. So, if you can tell us about that, because I think it's very interesting how you approach this problem and how you figure out the growth parameter in, in a human being. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'm developing, you know, soft actuator to, you know, help the patient who lost, you know, arm and then leg. And in this case, like, we need to give them, 
you know, um, like a, a patient like a, a thick vascularized muscle tissue. So, but when we cre- when I create a thick vascularized muscle tissue, one of the major challenges like uh, um, how to create a vascular network within the thick muscle tissue without the vessel, which can provide oxygen and nutrient, then most of cell might die in the thick uh, tissue cancer, even in vitro and vivo. Those are major challenges so to combine, but a muscle and vessel uh, are like different uh, stiffness of the material. Then, and then you need to combine both uh, you know, two different materials, which is stiff and, you know, so stiff and hard, and combine together, you need, we need to create a vascularized muscle tissue. So in this case, I use like a bioprinting technique to easily integrate, uh, incorporate two different materials using multi-material printing technique. They're also using the biomaterial. This mat- biomaterial is good for the differentiation of the stem cell, also the maturation of the muscle, also formation of the vessel. So I have been studying for many different type of biomaterial to find which material is good for the muscle and which material is good for the vessel. And we already define and then make two different, uh, you know, the material category. Then we pick the good material which can be uh, printed. That and then, uh, and then we can create vascularized uh, scaffold using bioprinting technique. Another point is for important point is like a cell source. So we can using many, we can try many different type of source, but when you implant this in vitro cultural tissue, we have to minimize immune response with, uh, of the patients. Then also we need to improve the integration of this in vitro cultural muscle tissue into the uh, injured area. Then now it's very promising uh, cell source is IPS derived uh, the muscle cell, IPS derived the stem cell, which can all be obtained from you know, human and skin, uh, skin tissue. So this IPS cell can uh, differentiate to the, um, the muscle tissue or the vessel. Then, and then when we use this uh, patient cell and combine with this advanced biomaterial and microfabrication technique, which is bioprinting, then we can create personalized vascularized muscle tissue. Then it improved, definitely I believe this system can be improved muscle and tissue regeneration for the patient. That's very interesting indeed. And maybe ask a lot of question here about what first what could be the limitation you face already? And because when we speak about smart material, we try to combine different materials with different mechanical properties. Sometimes we have issue about adhesion, obviously delamination happen, and we try to combine live cells with smart material. And if you can tell us what could be still limitation for you? Yeah, of course, a lot of limitations. <laughs> so, cause you know mostly efficiency. So biomaterial, you know, can make, uh, can you know, maintain cell viability, but this means that the cell show their function, right? Then and then most important, we can mimic like a muscle contract. It's hard to make, hard to you know mimic the function of the muscle. Meaning like our muscle is very strong, and then you can you know it's very it has good mechanical property. Also, they show contraction behavior extremely, you know, useful and efficient with low power energy, right? Low uh, power, then and then, but um, it's still a lot of challenges to mimic those function and efficiency, uh, with in vitro cultural tissue. This is the major issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious also again because I think when maybe it's a silly question because if someone is getting older and sometimes there is the muscle is not really functioning anymore, do you think that something can enhance uh, human being lifespan if you have? Yeah. Yes, I think so. 
Yeah, I think I believe so. <laughs> but um, yeah, of course, technology have to be developed. Also, there's some people who almost lost their uh, muscle function, couldn't lift anything heavy thing through the, their old muscle. Then of course, our system can be replaced. Why my system? I want to combine with a smart material with uh, biological tissue. Like uh, you know, I want to make uh, you know, I want to mimic the real uh, native muscle, but also want to improve the function. And then you know native muscle. Then we can make more powerful, you know, uh, muscle system, and then even you know much stronger than when they young, right? Yeah. 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 And for the optimum maybe material properties, do you think you still maybe thinking what could be the optimum material I can uh, combine with bio bio cells? Or do mm -hmm. you have any kind of thought what could be the optimum material you're looking up to? So I haven't. You know, it's hard to say. So, it's easy to say sometimes, but it's hard to say if you know very well about the actuation, how to build actuation, uh, the yeah. soft actuator, a soft robot, and the muscle. Like, you know, muscle cell, normally like, you know, appropriate uh, stiffness, like um, uh, 20, 30 kilopascal, they grow well. But, um, you know, when, you know, tissue grow and until to mature, the, uh, the construct itself is pretty weak. So we couldn't, they couldn't mimic the actual, the mechanical property of the rear muscle. But, um, you know, if you want to make this power, you can use like a, a material which have a good stiffness and then elasticity, right? But a cell sometimes doesn't like this material. Then you won't able to make and mature the muscle cell on top of this or inside this uh, material. Then, and then, you know, or you know, you need to play with this, you know, old parameter stiffness and the elasticity of the material. Later, you need to make a uh, the muscle tissue which mimic the native function of the muscle, which is a major challenge. And I think this may be a question we have all, all the time in the soft robotics community: How mm. you overcome speaking different language? You, you you work in different fields. How you grasp the basic understanding of when you're working with biological system? It yeah, um, I think this can be already solved through the joint collaboration with uh, you know, the collaborator who's working in different field. You know, the microcount system, you know, now I told you I, I'm developing the new system using the biohype actuator which integrated with wireless uh, electronic power communication system. So I'm expertise for the biomaterial, but I'm not expertise for the those, you know, how to design this wireless electric device. But I'm working with my collaborator in uh, Europe, then he's expertise for the, he, uh, he doesn't know about well about, about this tissue engineering stuff. We have to, you know, communicate via Zoom and many uh, conference call, and then try to, you know, uh, meet each other with for a long time and then discuss. Then we try to decrease the gap between uh, he and me and then and my collaborator and then we can you know overcome this problem but um but now you know now the many researchers have enough experience to communicate with other collaborators right and also they are making nice uh, you know outcome which is like a the paper most of high impact journal and then they you know um, introduce the, the nice you know research outcome which through the you know collaboration work with in different field and maybe students could ask you this question, interested in what you're doing. Um, how you approach the design process in first class? Do you using simulation tool and ethical, analytical modeling? How you approach the design process at the beginning before starting or parking in, in the actual work? How, how you do this before? Unfortunately, <laughs> I also have no idea how to use like software. 
So mainly, you know, studying in other research and also generate my own idea. Also try to understand what, how to uh, movement of the organism through the video or something and start, uh, start to see the, what their uh, the structure inside, the, inside of the body, especially for alignment of the muscle, what the um, bone structure. Then, and then we have to understand their uh, biological structure, then we can mimic the structure first. Then and then, you know, we try first this, you know, to simplify their structure first and then try to pick the, what the material which can mimic their uh, first the mechanical property and uh, the morphological property first. Then and then we try to make uh, this uh, structure with uh, biomaterial then, and then seeding or some of uh, muscle cell and they see their behavior. So mainly the beginning I first of all focused on the understanding the biological structure of the organism, then we move to, you know, add some of uh, the biological component which can generate actuation behavior. Then and then we can fine tune their structure later, try to mimic their actuation behavior of the organism. So yeah, of course I need the, I want to collaboration with the people who has expertise for the designing and simulation based on the, what the a basic information of actuator and it would be great to make a nice you know soft actuator which have showed the complicated actuation behavior yes. indeed yeah i think also one of interesting projects uh, you doing uh, organ and a chip system i think this project uh, because i think first of all it's i believe it's ethical consideration about um, not choosing animal or human in testing so if you can tell us about the challenge because uh, we spoke about that two years ago with professor Peter fisher from max blank institute and we asked mm -hmm. them the question, how we can design organ that mimic the same young modulus and stiffness properties as a human organ. Mm -hmm. And if you can tell us what the challenges, how we approach this problem, what do you think could be potential behind the organ and chip system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, so I have developed some of organology system, especially for the uh, newly developed drug, screen, drug and also anti-cancer drug. So, but um, most important what we want to uh, no. So the, you know, the body, especially each organ composed of the multi-material and the multi-cell type. And then they're also including very complicated immune system and also the vessel. So, you know, you cannot, uh, we cannot mimic exact, you know, same like organ component, like heart and the liver, especially for the, you know, and other, you know, uh, brain. But um, we want to understand first why we, what we want to see from the, uh, the drug effect. Maybe if drug and then mainly damage to the maybe for example the cardiomyocyte, then and then through the vessel, then and in this case we need to make a vascularized cardiac tissue and at least like including major component which relevant with the drug behave. Then and then using this inform uh, biological information we can make this you know simple organoid. Then and then you know we also understand what the body flow and then we can mimic those system through the microfluidic system. Then when, when first when we built uh, this organ, uh, simplified organ using any type of uh, microfabrication techniques such as bioprinting and also uh, photolithography. Then once when we uh, create those organ and can be cultured in the microfluidic chip, in this time we have to very understand how you know the blood stream and what their pressure, how you know this blood stream effect on the substrate on the tissue. We have to all consider those parameters and can define the specific parameter for how to learn microfluidic chip and also culture the organoid in the bioprinting for how long. And when, once when we build those organoid systems and then we can later inject the drug 
or other you know, reagent and can monitor the organoid behavior through the, this drug or other reagent. So, yeah. I, I think that's interesting, but I'm curious about the limitation, for example, for cancer treatment. How do you see opportunities? Because still, this is like a missing business, how we can uh, deploy this technology in, in figuring out early detection of cancer. So do you have an idea about that? Yeah, of course, the major limitation from the organoid, actually. So I, in the beginning, I told you, and we weren't able to make exact same, same as like a cancer model. It's hard to make it because it composes, you know, many different cell types. So especially, I think it's because of maybe immune system. It's hard to uh, bring into the organoid system. So many people still develop, develop and introduce every type of immune system, but it's hard it's still not combined with complicated you know, cancer or other organ. And so the major issue of the organoid system is like a developing organoid, which can mimic the biological function of the uh, uh, the human tissue. So human organ. This is like a major limitation. So we are not able to um, make add a large amount of components, many complicated components in the one system. This is a major limitation so far. Yeah, yeah. I think this also related uh, what you're doing about biosensor. So if you can maybe tell us for maybe a student first time listening to that, how you design oh, yeah. biosensors? Yeah, yeah. So actually, you know uh, the. Uh, the biosensor, why I'm thinking the biosensor fit con, uh, combined with organochip system. Because many people in the beginning, when I started working in organochip like uh, uh, seven and eight years ago, so at that time, most of the research focused on developing organoid. As I told you, organoid is very important. And then several groups already established good organoid. It's difficult to follow <laughs> by ourselves because we are the middle of you know the group which um, is not the, uh, the reader for the organoid chip and making the organoid. But at that time, I'm thinking, so once they make organoid chip system, how to define the organ behavior by when you add drug? They have to open the organoid, and the microfluidic chip, right? And then take out the organoid and then sectioning with other immunostaining and then later we can characterize their behavior. So if you want the drug, if you want to test 100 drug, how many organoid chip you need it? A lot. How many time points do you want to test it? Of course, you couldn't count how many organoid and need to be developed. Then and then we're thinking about that. Uh, why don't we develop a non-invasive monitoring method, which has high sensitivity compared with conventional method, and then uh, emit, uh, automatically in, uh, interact into the organoid can control by automatic system. It's maybe we don't need to you know uh, keep this sensor every time on the organoid chip and controlled by ourselves, right? Then and then we develop microfluidic sensor, uh, microfluidic based biosensor, which can collect the uh, circulatory media from the organoid chip, then every, whenever we want, and then we analyze the biomarker, which existing in the circulatory media, then with high sensitivity. So my biosensor has higher, um, 10 times higher sensitivity uh, has higher sensitivity than the conventional uh, uh, ELISA system. Then the ones when you add those microfluidic-based biosensors to the organoid chip, then they'll be able to monitor of organoid uh, uh, with non-invasive method, so we can monitor the drug effect for a long time. So and then we don't need to break the organoid chip every time in every drug, then, and then we can expect what the behavior. 
I think that's also interesting point because maybe first of all about the design of invasive and non-invasive sensing technique. Because for mm -hmm. example, in EEG sensor, we have this uh, kind of issue with the accuracy of the signal you're measuring. Mm -hmm. if, if you can tell us how we can overcome the challenges that they design non-invasive sensor and still have high, high resolution and accuracy in measurement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So, so of course, and some of biosensors need to be very sensitive compared with a conventional system. Also, it depends on the uh, tissue type. So we can easily edit some electrode type of thing on, top, on bottom of the organoid, can recording the signal, especially for the electro uh, action potential of the heart tissue. So this can be the, uh, you know, non-invasive or kind of semi-invasive, you know, uh, the biosensor which can record like, the electrical signal of the heart tissue. Also, the uh, secret biomarker means like uh, when cell organoid damaged the, uh, by the drug or any other uh, toxic reagent, the each cell and tissue secrete specific biomarker. For example, the cancer, uh, the cardiac cell, and damaged by drug, cardiac toxic drug, and it secrete uh, some of uh, marker which is CKMB, anthroponin I, anthroponin T, that in his, uh, existing in the circulatory media. But um, you know, but the, in the beginning, they secrete very small amount of biomarker. It's hard to detect a conventional method, and because of their detection limitation, like a nanogram for ML. But we have to improve their sensitivity, able to detect the picogram or lower than the picogram for ML concentration of biomarker. And in this case, we can detect all the damage of the organoid by the drug. At that time, we have to develop uh, innovative, uh, improve the biosensor of the uh, function uh, to uh, change the design of the electrode. Also, to improve the bioreceptor, which can capture the biomarker. So many people, now I'm using the uh, aptamer. Uh, rather than uh, antibody, but aptamer is more stable and they have higher sensitivity compared to ap uh, antibody. Then we able to detect a lower concentration of biomarker compared with antibody-based biosensor. Yeah, I think that's also very interesting when you mention about how you can detect the damages early. So mm -hmm. that's very interesting, boy, because I think what kind of damages you expect? Uh, maybe the scenario of damages in the what you're working on and how you make sure there's early detection. Official level is micro level or macro level. Which level of damages you can detect by your sensor? So for example, so I was published in a paper in small recently. So at that time I um, made uh, two organoids. One is for the breast cancer. The other for one is like a cardiac steroid using human IPS-derived site. At that time we add the drug, which is like a targeted drug only uh, targeting on the, uh, the uh, breast cancer cell. But on those uh, um, drugs not actually decreasing the viability of the cancer cell, uh, the cardiac cell, they decrease the viability of the uh, cancer. So then at that time, it's hard to recognize by morphological characterization. So cell a little bit loose, and then um, and also you couldn't see many dead cells. But um, when we analyzed uh, the circulatory media, so we found, we observed the increased uh, concentration of CKMB, which is already defined, well uh, developed biomarker that once uh, heart damaged by any other uh, effect, and then they, if the cardiomyces is damaged, they start to secrete a CKMB, which is like early detection biomarker, which is already well screened in the medical uh, field. Then, then we monitor, we pick those list of the biomarker we monitor in our system. 
that end in the beginning uh, before to see uh, the lot of that cell we can detect the increase the concentration of those biomarker that end we say okay our system be able to detect all the damage of the cardiac tissue or hurt by you know any uh, effect by anti-cancer drug I think that's really very interesting, boy. Maybe a silly question here about, um, because I think that's related how you design or engineer the tissue. Do you think if you can maximize the, the toughness of the tissue, the, that it can resist any damages? Do you think we can design tissue that's not damaged by any means? Oh, <laughs> so it's hard to say. If you make artificial tissue using material, yes, because of many people developing self-healing type of smart material, right? Then they yeah. damage by you know any chemical or uh, you know mechanical stress means like cutting by something. Then they eat stick each other and generate their original form, right? But um, if combined with the biological tissue, then hard to uh, protect. Uh, from uh, other, you know, external stimulus. For example, which can kill the muscle, like a cell, by pH or low and high pH or high temperature, uh, higher than forty degree, then it damage the muscle. Then indeed get difficult to regenerate. But um, of course, it depends on how much cell damaged on the whole construct. Maybe ten percent or twenty percent. Of course, muscle cell itself uh, has uh, regeneration potential. Right, then the day cell can proliferate, and then they grow means that they replicate their population, and then they can yeah. have chance to, you know, uh, regenerate by themselves. But um, if the tissue damage by more than fifty or sixty percent, then in this case, they become regenerated by themselves. Of course, it depends on cell type, but the muscle cell, uh, in, the, in case of cardiomyocytes, difficult to, uh, repopulate by themselves. In this case, they just uh, spread and they cover the area and then show the actuation behavior. So uh, I, I say like it depends on how much damage. Yeah, I think that's also maybe interesting, boy. And I'm curious to ask you this question. Because when we look at the nature, we have example like snake or gecko and other uh, creature. When they cut the tail, they can uh, make it grow again after six months. And when we look into human being, we don't have this feature. Uh, do you know why this happened? Do you think a human being structure in terms of tissue and the shape and the morphology is the best, or there's something maybe maybe advanced beyond human being as a structure in terms of tissue and morphology of the tissue? I think I don't know about that, but I'm acting like because of maybe in case of the human, right? Then the viewers have some of uh, uh, the. Uh, then the body has some of uh, the cell which can still have potential to differentiate to the other lineage, right? Then if the tissue have a large amount of those type of the stem cell, then they once the tissue, the part of tissue damage, then they can easily generate. But uh, specifically, you know, other type of organism which can, which have a very good uh, regeneration function, then and then, for example, cut tail of the uh, the small, I don't know what the name of the animal, um, but I'm. Yeah, the, the animals, when you cut the tail, they have that area have a base, those type of cell and they can easily regenerate the area. So I mean, it's like a mostly of a biological uh, maybe component, especially for cell, I think so. Yeah. I'm curious to ask you this question. Are you afraid that maybe your research could be misused in a certain way? Do you have this kind of fear about your research will be used? Yeah, so... 
maybe, for example, if you know, we develop some of um, kind of robot, right? That and then, you know, so I don't know, in this case, maybe not now, because of the, our robot doesn't have any intelligence. <laughs> that and then, you know, not now, we can control by ourselves, right? But if there are any soft robot have some of intelligence, right? Then hard, especially with like AI system now, many you know institute, many company, even the university, they want to try to integrate AI system into the machine, right? Like uh, it, now, it's currently they're using you know traditional machine which is like based on the metallic system, right? But then then they want to add AI system into there for the future. If we can add this system into the soft robot. And the sub-robot itself has, you know, their own idea and then, you know, opinion. Then, and then of course, <laughs> you know, this is like an unexpected or a major problem. So we can, which cannot control by the human. Then, and then it generates some big issue later. But now, I don't think so. <laughs> the first, we need to develop something to stop, which can really help the human or patient. Then, <laughs> then we can think about this thing later. Yeah. yeah. But now, I don't think so. <laughs> we don't have anything yeah, for that. And for yeah. the intelligence, because you mentioned intelligent, how you see intelligent in in bio tissues? Uh, the intelligence human tissue means that they, if the implanted tissue can respond by biological signal, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, but especially for uh, motor neuron and the, or the electrical signal from the brain to move to the motor neuron, right? If the yeah. intelligent muscle tissue can sense those uh, electrical signal and can respond and work with us synchronously with native muscle. So I think we can say like a semi-intelligence muscle. Yeah. 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 Then and then, or if we can add some of a specific electronic device, which can generate uh, electric signal by themselves through the what we order or the specific program, then it, it generate uh, electric signal by themselves to stimulate muscle. Then and then if you can not control the, your uh, muscle by your brain, it, but it controlled by the electrical component of the which embedded in the muscle. That and then we say like a kind of intelligence. Yeah. I think you maybe I think you are the most one who can answer this question because we ask this question because mm -hmm. we know that uh, there's some researchers try to design soft robotic that can feel pain or robotics feel pain. Do you think mm -hmm. because pain is personal? I think I can't feel your pain or you can't feel mine. So. Do you think this is scientifically right to design maybe artificial muscle that can feel pain, or this is really hoax? Not that make any sense to you? Mm, I don't think so, cause um yeah, the vein and artery is like a uh, you know, a hurt valve, right? Hurt vessel, right? But this um, muscle is not the uh, like a cardiomyocyte type of or the scapular muscle. So in this, this kind of passive muscle is not really um, contracting, actuating, you know, by the, some uh, signal. So I think their mechanism of the uh, contraction behavior is different with what the scatter muscle and the cardiomyocyte. So uh, their vein and then, uh, you know, they're a pretty good mechanical property or still composed of the muscle. But um, the muscle uh, movement is completely different with scatter muscle and cardiomyocyte. I don't think it's a good idea to using this system for the uh, muscle actuator system, but I'm um, kind of actively, you know, um, contract and then expansion and do something like um, walking and making some robot can walk and the move. In this case, like I, I believe in cardiomyocyte or scatella muscle is better, but um, many people, you know, so now many people have been developed 
sub actuator using those two major cell types, I think because of the reason. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I'm curious to ask you, what is an area or direction of research you think is very promising, but the community seems to disagree or doesn't give much attention to it at the moment? Uh, in terms of the muscle-based, like a biohybrid actuator, yeah. so many people more focusing on the material and then tissue regeneration, t uh, like a cell and tissue maturation on the hydrogel or inside the hydrogel. But um, I think now I'm trying to incorporate electronic device, which is not a simple electrode like device can communicate with us outside of the electronic component. That and then it integrate them, uh, with many type of electro electronic component in the one small chip, which should be flexible. So it is very challenging to integrate those flexible electronic device into soft, especially for muscle-based you know, actuator. So I think the many people need to develop those, to develop how to integrate those electronic device into soft actuator without damaging them also inhibit of their behavior and also to for a long time to maintain their function. For example, when you, you know, it's hard to maintain the electronic component in the biological solution without their damaging. So they easily damage or corrosive by the biological reagent when you add them for a long time, right? But, and then those, you know, you know, we need to solve the way how to integrate those electronic devices into the muscle-based actuator that it can control the actuator. So with a desire, you know, movement. So this is, I think, that we need still, you know, the people try to develop, but um, I think we need to spend more time and to uh, find a better way how to integrate those devices. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very interesting point because I think we have this question before uh, in, the, in the podcast about how we can design, instead of using rigid electrical component like transistor, etc., and soft structure, do you think given what you try to develop, we can design a microcontroller from completely soft material and we not follow Moore's law that applies to transistor. Do you think this is possible to do a completely soft microcontroller? Yes, 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 yeah. So uh, based on the, my, current, my, experiment, uh, uh, my project, so now we successfully make the substrate electrode material then other coil, external or external internal coil we can create on the stretchable, thin, flexible substrate. But only the solid component is diode. The diode is pretty small, like a one millimeter size, which is very small. But um, those diodes only the solid component in my device. But other part, like a coil, internal coil and substrate and electrode, then more we can make on the flexible, stretchable uh, component. But I believe when many people develop can you know who develop for electronic device on the flexible electronic device, then they can successfully uh, design this diode with maybe flexible material. We don't need to make it really really flexible, but um, we can um, replace those solid component by you know some of kind somehow steep, but uh, still possess some you know flexibility. Then can uh, we can create uh, later. So, yeah. That's really interesting part, yeah. And do you have any misconception you have witnessed from your peers or in the field in general about your work? Any misconception? Um, Sometimes, um, this is what, you know, the beginning I say, like I, you know, when I'm working in this research field, I never made a soft robot before, right? That many people can confuse when they develop the material, which show the you know, contraction behavior by external stimulus, right? 
they think like those single components become like a robot. So people say like this is a robot. I don't think it is a robot. This is like one of the component of the robot, right? So many people when when I read the papers as well, when I review the other person's paper, they only develop one of the component of the robot system. They're not really developing the robot. So so many people are kinda of little confused. So we need to clearly say like what is robot system and then what the component of the robot. So and then those maybe miss you know some people misunderstand. Also, by myself, also I, you know, sometimes maybe use long word when I, you know, selling my actuator. So, but um, you know, those one maybe the misconception about specifically for the, you know, soft robot system. Yeah. And where's there any direction you thought would work out very well, but empirical result proved something maybe wasn't expected or interesting to you when you doing analytical modeling or maybe. In your mind, that's, that will happen, that in reality, in, a, in the lab, was ex not expected to you, or maybe interesting. Yeah, of course, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, yeah, 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 yes, of course, yeah. And we have many happen in the lab with the student yes, me. Yeah, we expect, like, um, first we design the material, right? Then and then based on our experience, right? Then and then we know there was some of the material property, and then we expect, like, a, oh, they definitely show the good uh, muscle regeneration or something, actuation behavior. But uh, once when we uh, make and try and uh, characterize the system, of course, there's nothing. And then they, uh, sometimes the system uh, didn't show what we expect. Of course, many things, many fields and many systems. So we try to expect each good, but I'm, um, you know, always like 80%, <laughs> a lot out of 100%. Any process we fail. And then we only get the one or good thing, and then using this one, we develop a nice system, which what we expect. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I'm curious to ask you this question about nonlinearities in the material you're using. Because we had Professor George Weissitis, and he said that nonlinearities can bring opportunities. And we have another episode about how can nonlinearities in the material and the structure itself can play a significant role in the having interesting actuation uh, mm -hmm. performance. And some of the guests say that we don't need even use to, uh, we don't even need to use traditional control, like rigid controller. We can explore the nonlinearity in the material and the structure. Do you agree with that? Do you think nonlinearity in the material could be really beneficial to, to the performance of the actuation? Mm, this is like a, it, I think it depends on the type of the what actuator like uh, this, the robot you know and then what the robot will be used for the what specific they're you know proposed yeah. for example you know um, George Whiteside they develop you know um, crawling type of you know elastomeric based uh, soft actuator of course those system of course non-linearly actua non linearity actuator system is perfect but um, if you want to make more bigger size, and then what uh, the robot has more complicated uh, purpose, for example, moving something, it have to combine together. So I'm thinking like uh, there's no answer for which is a right answer. But um, for the future, if you want to make more bigger, and then which robot has more complicated task, then maybe nonlinear, you know, the linear actually have to combine together. Then and then later it generate more complicated um, uh, the motion. And then uh, they do something what we want to do. Yeah, yeah I think that's interesting, boy, because I think in nonlinearity sometimes it is hard to capture in you and when you, you want to design something. 
Sometimes we tend to linearize every 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 performance to make it linear yeah. and simple. And I don't know for you because you're working with a bio hybrid design structure for actuator. Do you do you still neglect the nonlinearities? It's now it's like a very my actuator sounds like uh, looks like a very um, simple still simple very simple structure. So now I'm more focusing on nonlinearity type of you know actuator. So now I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, thinking to incorporate those linear type of actuator. But as you can see, our body, right? Our body is composed of bone and you know, uh, kinds of arm, uh, the muscle, right? Yeah. I feel like uh, the muscle like a nonlinear actuator, but a bone like a joint, right? Then and then it combine with it connect with the muscle, right? Then when we change the turn, when it when we turn our arm, then when we grab and something. It, you know, two component synchronously work together, right? Then in the later we uh, we finally do what we want. So I mean, like uh, later we definitely need to combine with those type of you know nonlinear, the linear type of actuator. Like um, I, I think like this look like a, you know arm or leg, you know, still hard component, and then and which cannot bend, which cannot you know make any you know angle. But um, you know, but the muscle can do right. It combine together and then later generate a, uh, a complicated uh, actuation performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you can tell us from your experience, what could be the biggest technological roadblocks uh, that face soft robotics in short term and longer term? And I would like to say that I think the fabrication technique you highlighted at the beginning is very interesting, and I think uh, some labs lack these facilities to fabricate. Um, certain material with certain dimension. But if you can tell us what could be the real challenging that faces the field in short term and long term. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in case of short term, then I still say like the material itself. You know, the, any material couldn't you know, mimic the, what the native uh, component. For example, if you want to develop octopus type of soft robot, which material can be like octopus you know, movement and the, what their flexibility, contractibility, even the octopus changed the color by themselves, right? Then, and then still, you know, many people have developed very nice material, which stretched 2,000 times, 3,000 times. But um, this material is passive material. It cannot generate any actuation behavior by some stimulation, right? Then and the material itself needs to be developed in short term. Then and then the, the people who can design the actuator can make a better system. But um, still, I feel like the material is not enough to achieve what we want, especially to mimic the function of the organism. And the, for long term, in case of for long term, maybe what we need to uh, think about that, the soft robot or the traditional robot, it itself can be, you know, can work. But um, later we need to think about how to combine with human, okay? Those soft robots later, it, it integrate into the human body, part or inside. Then later, how to maintain their function is the biggest challenge when it work for the human, so outside, even the inside. Then, and then in this case, different knowledge require how to protect this robot when it works in the human, especially in case of a very small size can deliver drug or maybe in, you know, uh, travel in the body and then later it cut by uh, cancer or something, we can make it using soft robot technique. But how to protect from the, you know, immune system of the body. In this case, maybe we can more think more creative how to use this soft robot can be used for the many different area, the field in the body, then how to protect your function and they develop those soft robot 
a little bit of maybe challenge for the future. Yeah, yeah that's a very good point. So we are calling to end and we have a few questions. The first one, um, how we can enable more inclusive culture around combative ideas? Why well, I ask this question every time? Because as we know in academia, there is limited funding, grants, and sometimes you have to convince that your idea is really worth um, being funded. So that's in giving that how we can have inclusive culture that every uh, ideas proposed by different research group um, are yeah. welcomed. Sometimes it's very difficult, sometimes very easy. <laughs> in terms of like idea, but um, many researchers are still very afraid to open their idea, right? Mm-hmm. Then this major problem. So stop to communicate with other people. They think like other people stealing their idea and then stop communicating and then later you know, yeah. research by themselves and then develop the system later when they open the system, the I mean the problem of the this system already developed by other people, right? Also not a, not a good, you know this isn't that exciting uh, is not exciting to any uh, research anymore. Then but I'm another you know this is but, but the researchers have to remember if they afraid those, you know, um lack of the communication with others but they couldn't develop their idea by themselves. So I know it is very difficult to decide what is the right way, but um, you know, I still believe I trust people and you know, we have some have some open mind and the positive, you know, more optimistic then and then communicate with other, then and then we can get a better idea and especially for the, the different field. So I don't know about electronic component and designing and simulation something. They also don't know about my field, like about t- tissue engineering and biometria. Then and then when we have more better communication, we can um, you know, solve this issue and then lack of the communication between the people. Then and then later we can you know, develop a better actuation system through this you know, open mind you know, communication system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's hope that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think ego is important for the research? <laughs> this is more difficult for me. So uh, I don't know how can I say about the ego, but um, you know, you know, some people definitely have their some their ego. I don't know whether it is strong or weak, you know. So, but I'm most you know that if the researcher have a ego, but I don't, I hope it's not that strong at all. Then later they can accept other person's comment or suggestion, even you know bad or good, right? Then and then ego. Sometimes it's required, but I don't think it's not really needed. But uh, most important, the, the researchers have more optimistic idea, and then uh, they have to, you know, find a way how to solve this major issue with a uh, um, more uh, communicate with other people. Then this is, I think, uh, most important than ego. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and if I ask you, what are the most important qualities you have gained while working in academia? Something you have to maintain. I think for me, I don't know whether I don't know. You know, I'm I'm mother, right? Then I have a two kid. Then for me, you know, all those things, you know, I I I I I have you know good you know, uh, I'm very hard work and all everything. But I'm I'm mother. I'm have two kids. I'm difficult to make a balance between my life and then, you know, yeah. science. Then and then those things, you know, if I want to keep working in this research field, I have to to be very good job for both, like uh, my family and then my uh, and my research. Then and then 
So I to be more, you know, uh, I think that, you know, working efficiency is very important for me, right? To reduce the, the time waste. Then I also, uh, I need to do a lot of work and uh, within short time. So that's why I say like efficiency is very important for maintain to achieve good professional success in my research field along with my family. So I think yeah. that's the correct answer. <laughs> I think that's very important. I think what you said, I think give a priority. And mm. I think we need more focus on this point in academia in general. I think that's really good point. Yeah, because many, yeah, many researchers who, you know, don't have a family, then whenever I, you know, work with them and they are very, you know, working very hard and then working for 24 hours. And then they have, have a, you know, extremely good uh, working performance then. But um, sometimes the people, for example, I'm mother, you know, the woman, I don't know how different with, uh, you know, the research who's father, but um, in my case, I need to spend time at least 50% or 40% for my family. Then physically, I couldn't work at all. Then, and then, then yeah. during the time, I need to make a good, you know, progress. I, don't, I want to be also very successful, you know, uh, yeah. professor in this research community. Then, and then I need to, my best, you know, uh, good, what I need, it's very important thing like I need to make a balance between my work and life and then improve the working efficiency is very, very important for me to maintain yeah. my work to be yeah. success. <laughs> I think really it's an important point because I think maybe many of our listeners and even in academia, academia in general, we suffer from work-life balance. That's, mm-hmm. that's a real issue. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it comes down because of the severe competition and there's pressure to publish, you can get grant. It's really insane. And that's why maybe some people sometimes can't figure out how they can balance. So I can understand your point. This is a really excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in my case, yes. <laughs> I don't know other researcher, but um, yeah. <laughs> Finally, what was the best advice was given to you, was it personally or professionally, and was a life changing for you? Actually, yeah. This is like my good advice, actually, my mother. So. You know, always I'm very tired when I, you know, back to home, when I, when I take, her, take care of my daughter, and sometimes very tired, sometimes feel sad, you know, that I couldn't really focus in work, and that time my mother told me, you should be your best for your life, and then you should be, you know, you are the, you know, the good, you know, mother scientist, and then you need to show the everyone, that, and then you are the good, you know, uh, professor, and yeah. uh, be in your field, research field, and then my mother usually told me about this is my best advisor. So my other, you know, kind of my supervisor gave me the very good, you know, comment. But um, that their situation, my situation is different. So whenever they give me good advice, you should be good, you know, you should be more creative, and then also whenever we working a lot, then you should more focus and then try to uh, define your hypothesis with you know other innovative way. So they give me really good advice, but um, for my life, I really, you know, my mother's advice is best and change my life and growing, yeah. make me grow. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, yeah, so, yeah, this is simple, simple sentence, but it make me, you know, um, oh, yeah. work in this field. I think this is really wonderful advice because it makes you, I can understand the meaning, it makes you grow and and yeah. be persistent to do, and also show the good side for your kids. So I think it's meaningful advice. It's really meaningful yeah, advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you.
Do you have any final words to for both the community you would like to say? So now, you know, I'm, I'm really like this soft robotic system. So actually, you know, I don't have any, you know, uh, official fund to develop, but um, I got the money other area and then built soft robotic by myself. And then I really like this, you know, soft robot when I become like a PhD student. And then actually I moved to here in America because I want to develop this soft robot system with, you know, myself. That's why I'm working with my uh, former supervisor, who is Ali Kademoisini. He's working for this research field, and then I want to work here. The perfectly fit to me to engineer between interface uh, between engineer and the biology field. Then I learn, and then I, I I love to develop this soft robotic. I hope this you know field of soft robot will further develop, and then later whoever you know develop those system can useful help the old human and improve the life quality of the patient, I think it would be great for in this community. And you know, I'm also the one person to develop, but um, other the researcher who developed very nice soft lobo, uh, we can expect later after a few years, we definitely see the commercial product, which can help the human and patient. Yeah. yeah. So this is really indeed wonderful journey uh, for you from South Korea to America, and, and you're really doing an amazing and important research work. So thank you once again for time, and it was really enjoyable discussion with you, Professor. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.